You're listening to Soul Radio. Welcome back to Homeroom, a podcast series presented by Soul. I'm your host, Benjamin Aydin. In this series, I'll be speaking with some of the people I've met on my journey as a founder and creative director of Le Benjamin. These people are friends, but also have served as mentors and guides, sharing advice and experience. In these conversations, I ask them questions on what drives them, what inspires them, but also advice on what it takes to make it in their respective industries. Today, my guest is Hikmet Sugar, founder of Soulbox and Sonra. I'll be speaking with Hikmet about owning his own brand, the state of sneaker culture today, and his collaboration with DHL. Hikmet, welcome to Homeroom. Yeah, thank you. Hello, Benji. Hope you're well. Yeah, I mean, uh, we met actually at Soul DXP, which is funny. Yeah, right? this is a really good, uh, we call it Kismet. Huh? Yeah, I saw <laughs> now you. Now we at, are doing uh, a Soul DXP talk and uh, our first uh, uh, met was uh, yeah in Dubai. Yeah, it wasn't. It's strange because we're both German Turks. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and we're meeting in the Dubai. <laughs> we meet in Dubai, which is not. It's super cool. It's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. To be true, I was never in Dubai before, and uh, I've seen a lot of um, uh, how you call it uh, fairs um, about sneakers, but this one really amazing. Never saw uh, something like this in Europe uh, or on or in the world. To be true. So if you ever have the chance, uh, you have to visit uh, Soul DXP. And they're not paying me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. It's all about the culture. And, you know, I saw you at the Sonra booth there. Yeah. I'm like, right. I need to go say hi to this guy, you know, because <laughs> um, everything that I do, always looking up at Michael Jordan and uh, bringing a Nike head from day one and seeing also your story. It always inspired me as Benji, because you're someone that I looked up to, uh, oh, just as you. like I look Feeling up really to Lego, I look up to cool. um, people that changed fashion, but also street culture globally. So I think you're a very important person, being Turkish. Uh, thank you, thank I, you. You know, and I... And the, I the, 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 the funny side of the story is um, I was knowing you already from, from the internet, so... I've uh, read about you, about this uh, Nike competition you had. You, you were number two. To be true, you were my favorite. Uh, you, you you are still my number one on this one. But uh, this is the one where, where Sean Wotherspoon uh, won the number one place, right? Yes, correct. You had a brilliant idea with uh, um, combining, like, like you do on your own brand, combining Turkish culture on a product. And uh, this was the first time where I saw outside of... of uh, Turkey, somebody doing and representing Turkey in a positive way uh, in, in the fashion industry. So, um, so the honors uh, on the other side too. Istanbul brings people together, I guess. Yeah, Istanbul is a brilliant city. So you have to visit uh, Istanbul. My last time I told you uh, was uh, I don't know, ten years, fifteen years ago. And uh, when I met you last time in Istanbul, pff, what a great city! And uh, so much totally changed Istanbul or in Turkey anyway. So. Um, in Germany, you always get, sadly, they, they don't uh, um, talk so positive uh, about Turkey. I don't know why. Maybe it's uh, the, the relationship uh, in politics, uh, what they have. But uh, uh, you have to visit and you, you have to see it on your own uh, to, to make your own decision about uh, something. It's always 
like this. So, you know, I actually want to dig a bit uh, into your story. Um, yeah. More about your background a little bit. Where were you born in Germany? Uh, or did you move there when you were younger? I'm, uh, I'm really born in Berlin. So it's uh, in Berlin, usually living uh, lots of not uh, Berlin people. <laughs> But I'm a real Berlin guy. So with a Turkish heritage or Turkish roots. My parents came uh, to, uh, to to Germany, um, I think, 60 years ago, and um, they they were uh, worker class working in Germany and Gastarbeiter, uh, right? Uh, so they they tried to do their best to, to feed their families and uh, reach something. And uh, I'm grown up in a worker class, and um, um, I'm never missed something somehow, of course. So my parents done the best to, to feed us, uh, to, to care about us. But on the other side, of course, um, you know, if you, I was on a school where, where lots of rich kids were and uh, it, it was always, yeah, okay, it would be amazing if I can get uh, this shoe or yeah. this clothing or something like this. And this maybe is uh, the, the origin for um, where I'm now today. So it's uh, it was my motivation to, to yeah, uh, get the stuff um, and, and maybe be different than, than other people who have the money to buy it. And uh, I was more the guy who was creative to, to find ways um, to, to be different and uh, get what I like to get. And why did your family move, move there? Um, back then it was um, Germany called many uh, people. So they needed um, after the war um, and uh, through the, how we call it, in, I don't know if it's the same word, in, industrialization, uh, industry, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so um, they needed a worker um, for, for, um, for, for their building businesses and, um, you know, all the big companies uh, needed easy to handle workers and uh, so they, they uh, invited people from, from Italy, from, from Greece, from Turkey, and many young and healthy people came in. It's, it's not a joke. They, they even, done, uh, they even uh, looked in, in their mouth like, like on a horse and uh, checking if all the teeth are there and everything. <laughs> sounds really stupid, but it's, uh, it sounds weird. maybe it's uh, modern slavery or something like this. But uh, back then it was like this. So my parents told me they, they came in, they, they had a health check and um, then they go working. And uh, if you go in a country where you don't speak the language, um, what you do, you, you work and uh, you never ever um, complain about what you're getting. So I think it was the best time for, for companies to have easy to handle workers. And what was your first job? My first job? Uh, my yeah. first job. My really first job was um, to, as a, as a kid, I, I think I started with eight or nine years and uh, um, how you call it, um, uh, brochures, uh, so, so little flyers. I, I was uh, putting flyers in uh, post boxes or how you call it, in, yeah, uh, well, to the households uh, doing some, some commercial uh, uh, yeah, flyers. And uh, the most funny thing was I was working in a Döner Kebab store. And oh. this was, <laughs> This, uh, this is wait. This, why did we do a collection again. about this? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was um, doing the how you call it for the for the kebab itself. It was not the hundred uh, <laughs> percent. It was not the yaprak dinner. Yaprak dinner means you have only meat which you put uh, uh, on on slides. This it is was the best the one podcast. Which <laughs> it was the one where we mixed, you know, was um, and I had to do this. Uh, 
um, how you call it, uh, wie nennt man Hackfleisch? So, uh, guys, the, you have to learn German. Minced beef. Minced <laughs> minced beef. Minced, minced beef. So, I was doing the minced beef for, for this dinner kebab in the kitchen. Ah, and, so you're the you're always in the kitchen. Garlic. It seems. Yeah, I'm in the kitchen. Yeah, right. you know now so you're still in a, the kitchen. <laughs> but the the payment was a nightmare. So I worked, I think, uh, nine days, and I, they gave me hundred Deutschmarks for nine days of work as a kid. Wow, you this can't was, even uh, buy a sneaker now with that money. Yeah, and uh, the guy uh, when he uh, booked me, he told me you you will get what you deserve, <laughs> and uh, I shouldn't pay this, but uh, when uh, if, The guy gave me 100 Deutschmarks. I said, if this is what I deserve, then keep it for yourself. And they're gone. So my dad gone them there. And <laughs> he had a big uh, fight with him. So, yeah. This is good on Turkish people. Every, we always have our family behind us. <laughs> that's, I think, it's it's definitely a value that we should preserve. And I think it's also, yeah. all both of us are German Turks. And I think yeah. we both of us, we went through clashes. I'm sure your time, it was more difficult than ours. And I think our parents' times were even more difficult adapting to the yeah, German totally. culture. Totally. But I feel like they are the, the our parents are probably the the heroes because they they left Turkey and came to a strange country that they've never been, and they let everything go just for you and me to have a great education. Totally. And they are yeah, the totally. best heroes. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the truth. You know, it's um, you're going to to a totally uh, unknown country you you don't speak the language um i remember so my mom told me if she wanted to get uh, milk she said uh, moo and uh, you know was uh, doing some some gestures and uh, this was the only possibility to to get all the all the things you need for for life and uh, and they done three jobs or four jobs a day Uh, to to get us uh, where we are now, and so as you said, these are the real heroes for us. Uh, so for sure, parents. for sure. So mom, are. if you listen uh, to this, uh, also my uh, mom, I hope she listens to yeah. this too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the funny thing is, even our parents are coming from the same city. So this is uh, really that's, that's crazy. <laughs> this is totally crazy. So he's a German, um, or he's a, a, a Germany-born uh, Turkish guy. And uh, his uh, parents are coming from the same city of Turkey, like mine. So it's, uh, and we are doing both in, in uh, yeah, in fashion and sneakers. So it's really amazing that, uh, especially a city which is not known for fashion. <laughs> no, not at where all. Where parents are coming from. They're actually known um, for kebab too. Yeah, for kebab too. Yeah, char kebab. <laughs> ja so kebab if in, exactly. If, If you're ever in Erzurum, um, then you have to eat chocolate kebab. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So after after the yeah. dinner experience, the kebab yeah. experience, what <laughs> came after that? Yeah, I done a lot of jobs. Um, I worked uh, at uh, Hagendas, uh, the ice cream uh, company, um, for 10 years even. So I, I sold. I was a student. I, I needed money, so I, I sold uh, ice cream. Um, so it wasn't only ice cream. I had at the day about 1,000 to 1,500 customers. It was really, really popular back then. And um, they were from, from all over the world because uh, uh, it was on the main street at uh, Kurfürstendamm in Berlin. So it's a main shopping uh, district. Through this job, and I done some some market research for for company. I done uh, um, really different jobs. I worked in a sneaker store. Um, I got... A lot of uh, social competence uh, because uh, if you have a lot of uh, people coming in and you're selling to people, you learn um, humankind. Sounds stupid to say, but but 
if you work in, in as, a, as a salesperson, um, you are at one day, if, if you have a lot of um, knowledge or how you call it, routine, even if somebody's coming in, I was knowing, okay, he wants to buy, uh, I don't know, double chocolate or this guy 100% will buy cookies and cream or yeah, and the same on, on sneakers. If somebody came in, I was knowing, okay, this guy is, is looking for Adidas Campus or this guy is an Air Max guy. And um, this is a big benefit what I had in, in the past. Even the Döner Kebab store was good for me because, uh, you know, everything what I'd done in the past, yeah, had, uh, had an effect on me. And uh, everything what you do, so everybody was listening, every, everything what you do is a, is a step um, in your, your um, yeah, future um, knowledge. So you have to be like a, a college schwamm, schwamm. You have to um, soak it up, like like a, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But nothing comes easy, Matt. You yeah, know? I mean, totally. You have to work your way up, and um, you have to start somewhere. You can't just sit in your house and expect to get your dream job. You need to go through stages, and I yeah. think you've done that. And I was also working at factories and carrying boxes and doing that side sort of stuff at the beginning. And you need to sweat nothing, first. Nothing is given. Yeah, nothing, nothing is, is given. given. So you have to, you have to, many people, you know, they see, okay, oh, look, uh, Benjamin is uh, uh, having this position, but uh, the people don't see the way no. which you have to go. They only see the, the end result. They say, oh, cook, look. He's uh, having a great car or he has a great house. Or, but um, in Germany, it's uh, sadly uh, more this uh, envy uh, attitude in my eyes. In, in the US, for example, it's more, okay, this guy has a great car. He, he had to work to get it. Um, it's uh, yeah. my point of view. So it's, uh, I don't know how is it in, in uh, Dubai, but um, yeah, I think it's uh, really important that uh, everybody knows To be successful, you have to be um, unsuccessful first. You have to fall down, and get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up. And at the end, if you have luck, only if you have the luck, then you're successful. So it's uh, uh, not so easy, like like everybody thinks. Uh, and Sigmund, how did Soulbox come around? Did it come right after all of this, or was there anything in between? So I worked uh, in, in a, a sneaker store. Then I opened uh, with uh, the guy who, who was doing the sneaker store, a small store. And um, this was uh, when I still was a student. Um, we um, bought stuff from, from the U.S. We bought stuff from, from old uh, vintage um, stores. But nobody understood what we were doing in, in Germany. It was, uh, you know, vintage was popular in uh, Japan, vintage stuff was popular in, in, in the UK, but in Germany the people um, were thinking it's secondhand because uh, a vintage shoe has uh, some kind of patina and um, so the people don't understood it. I uh, then sold everything um, to, to uh, some, some Japanese guys and uh, started with my uh, older brother, Shuklet. I, I opened then Soulbox. Uh, We uh, started to import stuff and get really the limited stuff. Like like I had in the first opening, I had stuff. This was in 2001. We had stuff from Bathing Ape, Supreme, and uh, Supreme Dunks. Maybe some people remember them. The, the high tops with the stars on it and the croc leather. And uh, Bathing Ape uh, Superstars uh, and uh, Espo Air Force Twos. You know, all the hyped stuff, which was not really known in Germany, but... Um, 
uh, at this time, bread and butter, the, the fashion fair, was uh, bringing a lot of uh, international people to Berlin. And uh, they all came to the store. And, you know, if somebody, as you do and I'm doing, if you travel around, the first thing what you do is uh, checking out all the other stores. And uh, for sure. yeah, we were on the top uh, list for, for these guys then. And uh, it was really, we opened the store and we were surprised how, how fast we were sold out with everything. So, and uh, yeah, it was great. And then, uh, but it was never, uh, um, you know, I, I was not working with the companies together. So it was uh, all gray imports. So the companies came in, one company came in and then said, uh, okay, Hikmet, you have two options. One option is uh, we sue you uh, because you're, you're interfering our uh, market policies. And the other option is uh, you work with us uh, close together. I said, okay, uh, a multi-billion company is uh, suing me. I should do the other option. So yeah, I, I have about chosen right. the other option. Yeah. So I have chosen the other option and... Uh, Uh, then it started with uh, New Balance. I, I done my first project with New Balance um, in 2005. Um, I was invited to, to Flimby in the UK. It's uh, the, the manufacturing uh, or the factory in, in the UK for, for New Balance. It was an amazing trip and uh, I done a one-off one. And uh, after this, um, they asked me and said, hey, you want to do a store collab? I said, okay, why not? It's, you know, for, for somebody who's uh, loving sneakers. Um, okay, back then, New Balance in Germany was not uh, in the right, uh, how you call it, light, because it was worn by, by uh, Nazis. Uh, um, guess what? They're so stupid because they saw an N on the shoe. They thought it's standing for Nazis. <laughs> back then, uh, yeah, I think it took about two or three weeks to sell out 150 pairs of shoes. Just imagine. And these shoes are going Which year was months. this? Uh, 2005. It was the uh, first uh, New Balance I did. It was a 1,500 GGB. It's uh, one yes. of the yeah, favorite uh, shoes it's of uh, some New Balance heads. Yeah. And then uh, some some other New Balance uh, follow-up, like, like, you know, the Purple Devil. Um, I would say I'm, I'm one of the first people who done this color blocking um, uh, where... The, the whole end is black and the front, the toe um, was purple. Let's call it dip toe. Uh, many other people done already this uh, kind of colorways. But uh, yeah, if you look around, you will see I'm, I'm one of the first, I guess. Nike done a similar thing with, uh, I don't know the name for an Air Force One. But uh, yeah, so on, on a trainer, it was the first time that somebody used this color block. I feel like it was so rare for people to even do collaborations back then. Now yeah, it's totally. like every second, but back then yeah. it's yeah, back, back then, then there were not so many valuable. stores. Uh, you know, you yeah. in, in whole Europe you had maybe six stores or seven stores who were caring about something like this. And um, so I, I do not invented uh, the, the sneaker boutique thing. It was more something what what I saw in the US. Uh, you know, stores like Union or Supreme or. Yeah. Um, all these uh, really, or Foot Patrol in the UK was uh, one of the pioneers uh, on this. And uh, then I checked out, uh, um, um, at my time, we, we don't had uh, all this uh, internet stuff. So when I started, we, we even started analog. So traveling around, somebody in your city is wearing a cool pair of shoes. You, you asked him where you get it. And she said, hey, I bought this in Dakar, in Senegal, or I bought this one in Paris, or I bought this one in New York. And then you uh, traveled to Dubai. Yeah, now you ha people like are so lazy. They have StockX and Gold. Yeah. They sit yeah. and they watch Netflix they press, and order. I buy it. 
<laughs> yeah, and I feel cream. like that makes it yeah, or or people eat ice cream off uh, SP Dunks, right? <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, I've done a lot of stuff for the community, but the only thing what what now is uh, um, uh, the people will remember this is the stupid guy eating ice cream off a Ben and Jerry's tank. <laughs> but actually, it's funny that you tell us that you had ice cream in your story of where like in your beginning of your life. Yeah. So I feel like the things that you do is also partly who you are. It's true yeah. to Hikmet. It's who you are. Totally. It's totally. what you love. And I think totally. that's great, man. And when I saw that, I was like, look <laughs> at Hikmet, you know, I mean, yeah, but you, really you done a similar thing. You, you painted all your shoes. Yes. You, you know, where everybody, I guess, would get it. So if you check his stories, you have to check even your off-whites and everything. You painted them. Where yes. I said, why he's doing this? <laughs> but it's cool. It's your shoes. Do whatever yeah, I mean, you like. And back then, we all painted our shoes. Yeah, I mean, I think people need to be free to create. And you yeah, know what I want totally. to ask you also is um, what what really made Soulbox special back then? What were you, and what were you trying to do with it back then? Um, I never opened Soulbox to earn money. This, I think it's the biggest uh, um, point what I would uh, mention. It's uh, I um, done my uh, passion to my profession. So, which was, um, you know, I, I started to open a store to get first access on products, to get them cheaper. This was my aim. It was like like opening, you know, a DJ is opening a record store. So he can get all the records first and he get them uh, maybe the, the super uh, limited uh, releases or something like this. This was my aim, to be true. And uh, I always compared with a, a relationship. You know, if, if you go in a club and you, oh, you want to have this girl or this guy and uh, you're, you're focused on this, usually it doesn't work out. But uh, just imagine you go in the club and you don't care. You're having fun. You have a really nice evening. And then the girl or the, the guy is coming to you because uh, they see you're relaxed. And if you do relaxed business, if you don't have this pressure, then it works out usually. And uh, for me, it was uh, maybe the right time when I opened. There was no competition. And I was always and I'm still part of the community. So I don't care to, to have the biggest project. I'm, I'm caring about being still on the same uh, uh, eye level like, like everybody else because I think... Um, everybody out there um, is uh, on the same level like me. So nobody is better than the other one. It's only, you know, who, who's doing something uh, first and uh, who has uh, the, the possibility, possibility to do. There are lots of creative people out there, but they don't get the chance to, to do what they like to do. Uh, or even they don't risk to do it. So you, you gone the way, I gone the way. So we can say, um, we don't have to say in 10 years, I should have tried it. So we done it. And uh, of course, we, we uh, had uh, unsuccessful projects. And of course, we lost money in, in the past. And of course, we had trouble with family and everything. But um, well, we, we believed in our ideas and we, we done it. And, uh, and, and a few years ago, actually, you decided to sell the business. Yeah. This was more... Uh, so the, the business was running well. I had up and, uh, up and downs and... Um, Lots of collabs, so I worked with uh, all companies except Nike. Um, so I had to, so Nike, if you're listening, so I'm always up to if you like. It's probably listening, Hikmet. <laughs> okay, cool. And um, the the um, it was more a personal thing. So I, I um, yeah, I lost my dad uh, at uh, at a certain time, and um, 
then I realized, okay, what, what you're doing here? So it's, uh, you know, family is the most important or people you love is the most important thing what, what you have in your in your life. And uh, then I realized, okay, well, you, you more than half of your life you, you spent with uh, products. It's uh, So I'm a passionate guy about products, still I am. But I think priorities at this time, from one day to another, priorities changed for me because it was really um, uh, a hard uh, thing which happened to me. If, if you lose your dad, then, then you, you're starting to, to questioning everything what you've you done before. And uh, so um, the decision was for us, to be true with my brother, we even were close to um, close the store. And uh, I had... Uh, I don't know, maybe somebody up there sees what I'm doing and uh, maybe it's good to, to have a good karma account or something like this. And um, or if you believe in God, I'm, I'm believing. So, um, um, yeah, and um, the guy from Snipes came in and uh, we were talking and uh, we were talking about uh, other um, things like, you know, Pentland has a JD size and foot petrol. Yeah. So they're covering the whole market uh, in the UK. And uh, I said to um, Snipes, is owned by Deichmann, and, uh, or bought by Deichmann, and uh, they were missing the top tier. And I said, hey, you're missing the top tier. And uh, yeah, some days later, I got a call. Yeah, we want to buy a Sobox. And I said, okay, this is uh, yeah, it's right in time for me. <laughs> and uh, so I sold the company, and um, I was uh, under contract, so I... I at the beginning, I don't want it to be under contract still because uh, my priority was my family. And uh, But this was part of the deal, uh, which was understandable, yeah. of course, uh, because the company is based uh, on, on uh, me. And um, yeah, but at the end, it doesn't work out. Uh, so uh, they hired somebody else and don't told me. And yeah, it was uh, sadly not uh, my vision of... Uh, but it's still your baby and it's a big story of you. It's who you are. Yeah, it's, it's part of, of my life, of course. Uh, it's, uh, it's, my family uh, was part of this. Uh, I, uh, it's a big part of my life. And, um, but uh, I wouldn't call it, it's my baby. I would call it like, you know, it's uh, um, your, your relationship, your, your affair. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, an, it's good that I had it. Yeah, uh, because I learned a lot and had lots of possibilities, but it's not so um, bad for me that, that I don't have it anymore. If it would be my baby, you're in peace with so. it, and you. Yeah, I'm in peace with it, so it's cool. I'm, I'm happy uh, that that it is uh, hopefully in good hands. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'm not thinking like this, but uh, <laughs> um, but it's good to know, you know, that there's a the, the main reason why I done it is uh, because I, I re really respect Deichmann. I. Uh, Respect the guy uh, who, who done the snipes because he, he's a it's a family business too and Deichmann is a family business so I thought it's a good move to to be part of this uh, big uh, structure but it doesn't work out and uh, I hope that they do uh, their best uh, what what they think they can do for for Solbox but I still think uh, it's always good to to uh, keep uh, good concepts uh, like they are. You shouldn't change it if, if you're a big uh, player. So listen to this. Uh, try to handle it uh, different instead of uh, putting it in the same uh, yeah, frame. Uh, how did you find a buyer? It was a coincidence. I, I was knowing, uh, as, as I said, I was knowing Sven from, from Snipes a long time before. And 
I was it was only a chit and chat, and uh, out of the chit and chat, it was uh, yeah, yeah, it worked out. You know, so. yeah, but I think it's great for people that are listening because people are always like, "How do you do that? How do you do that?" Things just happen naturally, right? So if totally, you do your yeah. job good, things yeah. come to you. Right? Yeah, things come to you, right? Totally. It's uh, um, yeah, of course you you can go and uh, look for it, but. Uh, it's uh, you know it's like if you are in a store and uh, the the salesperson is coming to you and being pushy you don't want to buy this uh, it's much more uh, interesting if you go in a store and asking for the product and the salesperson is coming and helping you and uh, I think it's the same if uh, you want to sell your company or if you're uh, building up a company to sell it yeah it's um, it's not the right way it do if yeah. you would like to do something do it because you like to do it and if you reach a point um, where somebody is uh, getting attention of you, um, they will come to you. And then you can still do the decision if you want to sell or if you don't want to sell. I want to talk also a bit about Sonra. Yeah. After I left uh, Soulbox, I was, uh, um, it was the first time in my life where I was uh, unemployed. So I started, as I said before, really, really young to work uh, with small jobs and everything. So I learned always to, to be busy. And um, it was the first time I was at home. So my wife was, uh, when you're going working again, <laughs> um, I love you, but uh, nine to five would be better instead of 24-7 at home. That was uh, pretty um, different for me. You know, sitting at home, um, being unemployed means um, I was, uh, of course, I have kids. I had to work, wake up early, but... You know, it was um, the whole day you have the same clothes on. Um, so um, it was a really different time. So I, I had always... Um, um, You're a very productive my... person, right? You, you want to create, yeah, totally. you don't just want to sit at home. And no, 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 the right. Do... And I, I, I don't um, want to sit home anyway. So um, it was pretty easy. So I, I left Soulbox and uh, then... Um, I gone to the in Germany. You have uh, the possibilities if you are unemployed to go there and uh, asking for for money. I don't know if in other countries it is like this, but uh, you have an Arbeitsamt. It's called. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you go there and, uh, but they were so un unfriendly and um, you know they were offering me jobs. They offered me to be a, a how we call it hotel guy. I said, hey, guys, what is a hotel you guy? ever looked in my CV, what, what I've done in the past? Okay, I, I, sure, I can do a hotel guy or be a hotel guy, but this has nothing to do with my past. You know what? I told them, you don't need to care about me. I'm going to do my own business and all is good. And um, then I started uh, yeah, doing my own footwear brand. I asked my wife, is it okay for you to go all in and uh, put some money which we got from from the company sale in, into my new vision and she said yeah let's do it so um it was of course uh, um, i was really afraid because the first time i showed the first pictures uh, people uh, started to to be negative um uh, who, who needs this or the shoe looks ugly uh, and i'm really um how i call it uh, sensitive guy so uh, i'm really confident usually but uh, you know, if you have an idea and if you put a lot of uh, passion and work uh, into it and somebody who doesn't know you uh, is saying, hey, this is shit or something like this, this is really hurting. You shouldn't uh, talk like this about anybody's work. Sure, you can dislike it. I totally understand this and respect it. But uh, 
you know, it's uh, not really helpful for somebody. Yeah, you shouldn't ship. demotivate. And yeah, I feel totally. like especially this, we have it in Turkey because we have lots of up and coming young designers and yeah. creators. They constantly get um, like bad comments mm. or um, they're being dragged down even by their close friends. What was like the gap that you saw? Was there a gap or... Is it more like I'm gonna design sneakers? I'm gonna do this. <laughs> uh, it's more the um, I'm going to design uh, sneakers. But um, <laughs> maybe I felt uh, it's the same with Soulbox. When I opened, I never had something in mind to be true, and uh, it's the same with the brand. So I just done what I like to do, and uh, I guess these things work out sometimes. Of course, I have a, a community. I have lots of people who are supporting my work and, uh, of course, all what I've done before. It's, you know, if somebody who is known for good music is doing a new record, uh, even if the new record is not so good, the people will still uh, start to listen because they know, okay, this guy, you know, Jay-Z, he, he's doing, has done great uh, music back then and uh, I give it a try. They buy the records. And the same happened on me. They, they know, okay, he done a lot of collabs with, I don't know, Adidas, New Balance, Reebok. Puma, Essex, and um, give it a try. And I get um, the first time the people uh, had the product in hand, they saw, okay, whew, this one is really good because it's something totally different. It's uh, uh, sure you can say it's inspired from, from uh, 80s, 70s running uh, from the silhouette, but the materials I use, the, the um, craftsmanship, the shoes are made in Germany. I used uh, uh, vegetable tent leather. Um, really premium materials and uh, if you compare then what's on the market you what you get for this price um, it's a really big difference if you if the shoe is still smelling like like uh, leather if the shoe is if you have it in hand you feel it's not a pu coated sneaker like like all the uh, shoes you see nowadays so i think it's a um this was a big benefit it's you know like new balance in the in back then um, New Balance never used any endorsement. Um, they don't need any uh, pop stars or don't need any sports people to, to endorse their product. Um, Jim Davis always said uh, um, the product itself should be uh, the, the main actor in selling and uh, the people should about mouse and mouse propaganda. It's with ice cream again. Um, the founder of Hagendas said the same. Yeah, this That's is uh, yeah, for sure. the story of summer. I think it's... Uh, um, so the people like uh, that I'm still being part of the community. I'm, I'm not uh, putting myself above anybody else. And uh, You're a real uh, one, my... Matt. You know, I saw thank that you. too in Istanbul, the launch we did with our collab, La Benjamin and Sonra. Yeah, thank you for this we project. Had... No, so it, it was, was amazing. amazing. And I think yeah, it's, it's one of the something... most uh, popular Sondas right now, your work. So congrats. Thank you. Really, <laughs> like we designed it together and I think it was very important. It was your work. Um, Don't be thank so you, shy. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, what I loved also is that you had your community. They came by themselves yeah, to Istanbul. They even came, came and to Istanbul. Yeah. I found it so good. And I also see them always on social media and they yeah, keep yeah. on posting. Thank you to, to all the people out there. So No, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, totally. It's, it's so, it's so them, beautiful. It's true. true. Without our customers. And these are even uh, nowadays friends for me. Um, yeah. I call them Team All. You know, these are people who have all Sonra shoes which I made till now. They own all of them. They some people even came to Dubai to to get the shoes, and um, 
this is really something where you say, wow, this is full support. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you if you guys are listening. And uh, it was great to see you guys in Istanbul too. Speaking of Seoul also, what I wanted to ask you, Hidmet, yeah. what's what's the difference between like your working, um, your life during uh, Soulbox compared to now? What's the difference between being a retailer and owning a brand? To be true, I'm really happy to not be a retailer anymore, uh, um, especially at this time. So uh, my biggest respect to all the independent stores uh, out there um, and uh, to all, all business anyway. But uh, these are really hard times and uh, I hope you guys uh, manage to, to get over it. It's uh, really important that you find ways to, to keep uh, your business flexible, that you, you try to uh do a speedboat out of it so because if you see a, a big uh, obstacle that you can maneuver uh good through this uh, difficulties but um the good thing now is um, i'm not um connected to to soulbox anymore this was the biggest benefit because it was a uh, really great to see then all the other stores which were in competition somehow um, you know, in the European market, I never saw any store as a competition because uh, all of these are friends. Uh, so 24 Kilates, Pata, uh, and uh, Hennen, and uh, Foot Patrol. All these were more, uh, for me, partners, friends, and uh, we had all the same, we were on the same side. And um, But in Germany, it was a more, you know, I was one of the, well, I was one of the very first stores which were caring about this, and many new stores opened up. And uh, just imagine you open up a store and uh, always the sales rep are saying, you don't get this because Soulbox is getting it. You don't get this because he's getting it. Hikmet is saying he wants to have the shoes. He's getting the shoes. So it was for, for many other stores, I guess, a nightmare uh, at this time because I was uh, owning the, the German market somehow. And um, What did you do after... with the resellers? Let's talk about a bit about that. <laughs> I done a lot of things uh, with with resellers uh, back then. So you mean at Soulbox times or yet now? Soulbox times. times, like back then. Um, did back you do backdoor? You what did you do with them? Um, uh, what I done is um, I don't call it backdoor. So back then, even I had um, loyal customers. You know, a customer who was coming in and buying a Stan Smith or buying a I don't know a, a regular Nike shoe and. Uh, there's uh, some, some special release going on. If I had enough pairs, I was, um, of course, trying to treat my uh, loyal customers. And for me, this is not uh, a backdoor because... Uh, it's a hot them. topic, you know, every, every Totally, year. totally. I guess that's why I want to get your input. Uh, um, yeah, maybe many people don't get the difference. For me, a backdoor uh, deal is something... Um, for example, I have uh, 100 pairs of Yeezys. They're coming out and um, somebody's offering me for 50 pairs uh, as a bulk uh, more than the retail price. This is for me backdoor. But, so you're basically saying unethical things. Yeah. You, you need to be very ethical with the things, right? You, you really need to, if, you're, if you have a loyal customer and the loyal customer has been there with you since day one. Since day one, been, yeah. Of been course, supporting course. you. It's it about would be actually unloyal treating from them. me to my customer. It would be unloyal for me from my customer if I sell um, the shoe he wants to really wear to somebody where I 100% know this guy never bought anything in my store, but he wants to buy this limited shoe and he wants to resell it anyway. So this was something where I wouldn't call it a backdoor. This is my point of view. And for, but, like if I would yeah. be a kid 
like yeah. uh, in Berlin coming to your yeah. store and you know I'm yeah. a reseller what would yeah. you do to me um, nothing so it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> no 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 um, so really important is that everybody should uh, accept that reselling is part uh, it was always part of this game so I started my business reselling too so many people uh, do not know this really but uh, I, I in Germany are always telling this. I started with um, buying, for example, all the bathing ape superstars, which were available in, in Berlin. I bought them, a lot of them. So maybe I would say I bought uh, 70 to 80 percent of the whole stock in Germany of uh, super ape stars. I bought uh, the whole stock of HDM Air Force Ones back then. Um, I bought, you know, a lot of uh, limited stuff. But the difference is I bought the stuff because nobody was buying it. I was knowing, okay, this is going well in the U.S., this is going well in Japan, but uh, nobody in Germany back then was knowing what, what Bathing Ape was. So maybe uh, I think people. we have, a, like, in Turkey right now, why I opened this reselling subject is because we have this, uh, we have a movement of resellers. All yeah. these kids, they also come and line up at, uh, at Le Benjamin, and yeah. they have, like, groups, and sure. they, they go to they're all well the stores. Yeah, they're yeah, really they organized. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're really organized. They do pre-orders on their website. <laughs> and I want them to listen because you can start as a reseller, but you can actually become uh, a retailer like you have and uh, yeah. own a brand in the future. So I feel like it's good for them also to see that, yes, reselling is a business. It yeah. can get you somewhere, but it can also lead to somewhere else. Totally. So it's, uh, you know, for me, it's um, reselling is totally okay, but you shouldn't buy something what you don't want to have for yourself. Uh, means if you buy um, uh, Yeezy and your own um, uh, point of view is that the Yeezy is ugly or something, don't buy it. Even don't buy it for reselling. You know, this is. Uh, All the Turkish stupid. reseller kids, are you guys listening? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, what what I done back then is, for example, to to avoid reselling, uh, I offered the people, if somebody is waiting in line and saying, "Hey, I want to wear the shoes," and I would uh, buy them and wear them instantly, um, I was always saying, "Okay, you have priority. Come come to the front." But I was always asking everybody who was uh, there queuing up. I said, "Okay, is it okay for you if?" Or I was announcing it before. Let's say it like this. I was announcing before. Okay, everybody who wants to wear the shoes and is leaving the store with the shoes on feet is coming first. Then I ask on release day, okay, who wants to wear the shoes? Who is willing to wear them instantly after purchase and leaving the store? And if somebody said yes, he was the first in line. So this was the easiest uh, thing to avoid. That uh, And, you know, if the rest of these guys, uh, usually it was 80%, 90% resellers and 10% wearers. So... Um, you know, the other 90% can't say anything because uh, everybody has the same option. If you like really to, to wear the shoes and come to the store, wear them, leave the store. I think this is one of the easiest solutions to, to avoid uh, that uh, the shoes are going to, to the wrong people. Uh, I wouldn't call them wrong, but uh, yeah. I totally and understand if, if you buy shoes for reselling, if, if you try to, um, how we call it, to... to um, um, your hobby to to finance your hobby or your your passion because uh, it's it's a di expensive hobby 
if you have uh, hundreds of pairs of shoes, sometimes you need to resell to, to buy a new pair of shoes. So this is totally uh, acceptable. But it's not cool if you, sometimes I guess in the Turkey it's the same, but in Germany too, they're coming people, they have the ugliest, really fucked up shoes waiting in line for a shoe where you 100% know he even do not know what he's buying there. He knows <laughs> that they're reselling. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, the business nowadays. Yeah. And you personally, you didn't decide... Uh, going back to Sonra, uh, that you did don't want to open a store in brick and mortar. Why? Um, and uh, are you thinking of opening or? What's yeah, the, the thing is, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm so after this with my dad, um, I'm a big family guy now. So I love to be uh, close to my family. I love to be um, next to my kids and everything. And right now, I'm still a one-man show with the support of uh, my wife and my kids. And um, I would open a store, but therefore I need uh, a team. And the thing is, uh, as big as the business gets, as more difficult it gets. You know, you get headaches. I guess you, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, you know, to having employees, especially at this time, um, first, you, you need to have good employees. This is, is really hard um, to, to find a good employee. You have to pay a lot for a good guy, which is understandable, but you are never 100% sure if this guy is uh, staying loyal to you or if he's only working at your place because he wants to learn stuff to, to do his own business. So this is really difficult. You have to trust somebody. And um, this is the biggest part, uh, trusting somebody. And then the next thing is um, having employees. I had employees back then at Soulbox time before I sold it. And we had bad times. And I had to tell the people, you know, guys, it's not good. I'm paying myself since half a year, no money. And uh, I don't have the money to pay you guys in the next two or three months. It would be great if you're looking for a different job. And, um, you know, to have this a responsibility, not only for yourself or for your family, but to have the responsibility for other families, this was really big pressure for me. And uh, therefore, if I would ever open again a store or if I would ever uh, expand with my brand, I would need professional support means uh, um, I wouldn't do the same mistakes what I done when I sold Solbox. But if I would find somebody who is uh, uh, investing in my company, um, I would be making clear that I'm still um, the guy at, at the top and um, not not as a, a top. I mean, not priority wise, uh, more that, that I'm the think head of, of the company still. But for all this stuff where I'm spending too much unnecessary time, you know, I'm, I'm still packing my packages, my boxes myself. I'm still doing my bookkeeping myself. I'm, I'm doing the, the quality check of the product myself. It's good. It's sympathetic. But uh, at a certain stage, you know, if you do uh, this every month, 200 pairs of shoes, uh, it's still a lot of work which you can spend with your family instead of uh, um, checking shoes. Yeah, How this, do you decide what product you want to produce? It's more a thing, uh, a gut feeling. You know, if I had a nice ice cream, I say, okay, I like to do <laughs> a blue shoe or a red shoe. No, I'm just so totally uh, doing some samples. Feel. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing always what I'm feeling. So it's, uh, um, I'm no, I, I'm a good businessman, but uh, I'm not doing uh, this uh, on on the business side. I'm doing it on the emotional side. I'm more the, you know, if I like something. Um, I do it. If I see, so, uh, yeah. Are you on a fixed number of releases per year, or not really? So it's uh, 
my aim is uh, or was always something between eight or ten pairs a year uh, um, uh, colorways. Now I'm already uh, aiming the twelve, and um, I have so many colorways already in, in the back end. Um, the thing is, uh, you know, how you grow without um, being um, too uh, pushy for for people who, who want yeah. to collect all of them. Um, well, um, to company step by has step. to, yeah. And it's good to, to uh, you know, uh, organic, to, to um, grow slow. I, I, I'm not in, in any hurry. So, and I'm happy with uh, every sale I do. Uh, I have a good uh, sell-through. So the shoes are selling out usually in half a minute or a minute. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. And we thank talk- you to all the stores which supported me, by the way. So it's uh, Tim G from Pata, um, Eric and uh, Peter from Sneaker Stuff. We had a release there too. Uh, Paul and Ricky from from 24 Kilates, uh, Ed and Brian from Hannon, uh, to you with your team. It was amazing release. And, uh, you know, um, all these are puzzle pieces which are doing the the whole. So without the support of the the, uh, named stores and uh, uh, Florian Company from Steffel in Vienna. uh, So it's, yeah, thank you to everybody. I think it's great because I think all of these people know that you put your heart and soul into it, which yeah. brought us as well together. Um, I think that's what makes Sonra Sonra and Hikmet Hikmet. By the way, you, you know what's, yeah, okay, you know as a Turkish guy what Sonra means, but uh, um, yeah. after yeah, Steve, Jobs left the, yeah, Steve Jobs left the company, his own company, and named his uh, um, next company Next. So, And Sonra is a Turkish word for Next. So this is uh, the story behind uh, the name. So, if you ever uh, wonder why he's calling his uh, name Sandra, it's uh, yeah, a small. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, story. I'm also a big Steve to, Jobs fan. Yeah, yeah, he Rest was. I peace. guess many people hated him, but um, uh, many people loved him too. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not easy to make change, and I feel like yeah, he probably went through very hard times too. Totally. And we don't know what but he, he went believed in his idea and. Uh, he started in a in a garage uh, with Wozniak, and uh, he, you know this is uh, where he can be more than proud uh, to have a, a so big company. And uh, I hope that we guys uh, one day, our children or uh, the children of our children, will say, "Hey, mom and dad, or Benjamin uh, and Hikmet, wow, you you done a lot." Or even Turkey, you know that some people yeah. say, "Okay, um, uh, you guys." Uh, um, gave us uh, the self-consciousness and saying, you know, um, we, we can do it. You know, lots of production is made in Turkey. Um, every, yeah. um, so if, uh, guys, if you listen to this, um, look on your T-shirt, look on your, uh, on, your on your denim and look on your uh, Look at stuff, it now. What, look yeah. at it now, yeah, and see that a lot of stuff, what you own is already made in Turkey and uh, it's uh, done really professional. And just imagine it's uh, short ways uh, because especially for Europe, you have short ways, you have a, a really good quality of products because uh, I think, as I know, you, you are more the guy who, who knows all this stuff because you're, you're a textile guy. Um, uh, Turkey is one of the best cotton uh, for sure. industry for, for, for this stuff. Also, and, like sneaker and, design is all about the detail, right? Super, yeah. So what is, what is special about manufacturing and the design process? Can we talk a bit about that? Um. I'm always um, like, how does it? How do you make? How is this Sonra <laughs> sneaker made? Like, you you have an idea right now. What's the first thing you, that you do? 
put it on paper or put it on your computer what's better for you i'm a little bit old school i put it on paper first and um write down what you like um the, the easy thing for me is colors so i'm, I'm really easy with colorways because uh, um you know I'm, i'm feeling inspired by everything around me if you go outside um, nature is the best thing you can do nature is so inspiring because uh You know, look at a butterfly, look at a bird, especially birds have lots of amazing color combination. And if you if you see these uh, natural color combinations, or uh, um, yeah, these are already so helpful to, to do a, a good colorway for sure. So I'm, I'm now uh, giving hints for, for everybody, but uh, this makes it pretty easy. And um, some of my shoes are even named by, by animal. So... I done the, the Strunella Militaris, uh, which was from <laughs> Reebok. Or I done the Pink Robin for for Sandra. Um, I done a Grasshopper, and you know all these kind of stuff. Or with Essex, I done a shoe, the Gel Light 3, which was changing the color and the UV light and the sunlight. And uh, this is a photochromatic uh, paint which I used. Um, you know, there are so many things which are possible. Um, you, you only have to have. Uh, um, your eyes open, and uh, especially if you have kids, um, some people know maybe the matchbox cars uh, where you dip them in water and they change the color. Okay. You know, there are so many things which which can be done on, on shoes too. And uh, the the most important thing is uh, never let uh, anybody else say it's not possible. So everything is, also, inshallah, everything is possible. So you have to trust yourself, and um, you have to do. Um, What you believe in so and uh, don't let anybody else put you in a frame or say hey uh, uh, it's not possible you're a perfect example of storytelling it's <laughs> you do what you love yeah you 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 look at nature that's who you are and you yeah. name your sonra design after the nature is yeah. i think also where you manufacture is also part of your story being in, in germany In Germany, right? Can yeah, you being tell us, like, did you decide that on purpose that it's made in Germany, or it's just um, yeah, how was, it turned um, I was uh, sh sh for me, it was important to, to produce in Europe. This was the first or uh, main point. Um, my first aim was Turkey, by the way. So, um, would I had known you before, I would ask you to help me maybe to, to <laughs> produce shoes in Turkey, um, because it would be matching, you know, a Turkish name for a company made in Turkey. Um, This would be. I kind of like also Sonra being made in Germany. Yeah, because it's, it's who it's you cool are. Because it's the same. Yeah, and that was a the point then. So I was looking around. Um, you know, in Europe, there, uh, Italy, Romania, uh, Portugal, uh, lots of uh, production possibilities. And um, I heard of the German factory who was uh, doing for kangaroos, um, uh, Hummel and Hummel, and. Um, This was the easiest for me. It was not in, on the main point was not to to have a shoe produced in Germany. It was more, I speak the same language. Um, I don't have to care about uh, um, how you call it production um, issues because uh, it's under German law. Everything, so everything is controlled, and I don't get any problems if some kids are working in the factory or you know all these uh, different stuff or even. Materials which I use are um, tested and uh, really reliable and everything. So, um, and of course, uh, as as a, um, a family uh, or father of kids, it's important that we care about our uh, world and our resources and future. So it's um, 
the carbon print of the shoes is pretty low, of course, because I don't have long transportation ways. I use really premium materials. And the best part is um, my shoes are, um, uh, you can uh, refurbish them. So if the sole is uh, done, I'm offering um, repair parts like, like outsole, midsole, insoles, new laces. So you can do over one shoe a new shoe again. And uh, I think this is uh, sustainability at its best. And I think also you don't particularly try to create a bigger demand. It's more like you understand and you listen to your customer. You said your customer yeah. is your friend. And yeah. your community is your friend. So yeah. I think that's sustainable as well. You're not cool. creating a demand. You're you're just feeding the demand. Yeah, I'm feeding the demand. Of course, um, many people are claiming it's uh, not enough, but... But it's a good thing if you look at it. Yeah, yeah I think you, you sh it shouldn't be more than it is. You know, it's um, I'm, I'm doing enough. So my aim is... Doing enough colorways means um, everybody gets at some point the possibility to buy a pair. Even I'm doing, to avoid resellers, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing raffles, like I say, everybody who's wearing a summer shoe and sending me a picture, I will raffle under these guys, or I'm doing um, friends and family, pre-link. I'm trying to to um, avoid uh, um, that the prices are going high. This is stupid from, from the business side because uh, it would be, Uh, firing up the hype if the prices are going high, but um, I think it's good to to keep it uh, that the shoes are going to people who actually um, want to wear them. I don't want to see them on, on any resale platform. It's cool on the one side, of course. You don't want to see marketing. them in boxes waiting in warehouses. Yeah. Though. yeah, you know the biggest compliment what you can get is, um, for example, just imagine you're a musician, you have a song. And this song is not only playing in Germany, but you're traveling, for example, to Paris and you hear it in the radio. This is the biggest success you can have. And it's the same with the shoes. Uh, you know, the first time I saw my shoes in a different country, city, just imagine this feeling. You, you know, you go to Paris and somebody on the street is wearing your shoes. This is the biggest compliment you can have. Yeah, it's same. cool to see them on, on eBay or you, you see them on StockX or Goat or... It's cool too somehow because you see that they are more uh, valuable than what you're selling them for. But the bigger compliment is to see in New York somebody is walking around in your shoes. This is the biggest compliment. The first time when I got uh, the message from somebody else that, for example, DJ Greg Street or uh, that uh, um, DJ Clark Kent is wearing my shoes, this was the biggest compliment for me. You know, to see, wow, guys with you. Uh, or Bun B, you know, people... I'm also who a big really... fan of DJ Clark Kent. I mean, yeah, he's a, and he, he's he an was OG. wearing your shoes. He has your shoes too, by the way, the Le Benjamin. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has uh, all the Sondas. Uh, and he's a great guy, especially he's into sneakers. You know, he, he he's buying them for me. He's not getting them for free. He's buying them. Uh, he likes the brand. Um, the biggest uh, thing was, of course, uh, Alan DeGeneres, who was uh, wearing the shoes. Was amazing too. Like here in Turkey, when Alan wore our shoe, Hikmet, yeah, it went crazy because there are a lot of Alan friends everywhere in the world, but everywhere in the world, and but she, for, she has a really cool taste. So in my eyes, yeah. she has a cool. I wouldn't say on on all the sneakers she's wearing, but uh, she is really into watches, uh, vintage watches, and uh, so she loves. Oh, she has uh, a character, things. and I think that yeah, character totally. is very true to herself. That's make that totally. makes her a special person. And this is the biggest compliment. You know, instead of seeing my shoes going for 2,000, 3,000, I don't know what, 
it's a bigger compliment for me to see it on, on people wearing. And I don't mean famous people. I'm happy to see uh, um, average Joe anywhere on, on this planet. You know, if I'm going to Africa, if I'm going to, to Dubai, or if I'm going to somewhere else, I want to see the shoes on, on feet instead of uh, putting on the shelf or somewhere else. Do you feel like there are too many collabs out there right now? Yeah, mm, there are too many uh, collabs out there. It's um, So I, I like collabs. They're making sense. But um, there are many uh, collabs out there which are not making sense, in my uh, opinion. Um, so, you know, um, I totally understand the collab between Supreme and Louis Vuitton. But on the other side, I'm not sure if it's a good matchup somehow. It's great. It's a good approach to get new customers for a, a house like Louis Vuitton. But on the other side, I, I don't know who has the bigger benefit. Is it a benefit for Supreme or is it a benefit for Louis Vuitton? And um, these are kinds where you have to think about it. You know, it should be balanced. And um, I'm not sure if every project out there or collab is balanced. If I'm doing a collab with DHL, um, of course, it's a big company, and of course, it's something where the small hikmet from from uh, Turkish roots is uh, feeling honored somehow. But on the other side, it's I'm giving them a totally new reach of uh, customers, and uh, which they never would get somehow. And uh, on the same, it's with Supreme. Supreme is getting a shift up, and Louis Vuitton is getting access uh, to to a new uh, clientele because. Um, to be honest, most of these old customers sadly dying some someday, and uh, they need a new way to to get the attention of the uh, younger target group. Uh, same with Dior and the Jordan brand, for example, Dior and Stussy, and uh, all all the stuff is happening. So these would be things where you can discuss if it's making sense or not. In my opinion, it makes sense. Um, But their projects sometimes, for example, Nike has a lot of great projects where you say, wow, amazing collab. But then there are collabs where you say, I never heard of this partner. Why? Why you do it? There you see, okay, maybe it's more a body business, uh, which is understandable too, but it should be always in the aim of the company or in the name of the company. And um, this you can see on all brands. Uh, you, you see it at Adidas, you see it at Puma, you see it at, uh, I don't know, Reebok. Um, some projects are amazing, but some are unnecessary. So I would say uh, less is more. Um, do less collapse and uh, um, push more the, the inline products, which are at the end, uh, you know, if you as a retailer, 90% of your stock is uh, normal and 10% is maybe then the collapse stuff. And uh, You know, um, do you focus on, on normal stuff instead of uh, pushing all this uh, limited and collab stuff? So it helped me, for example, a lot, of course, where, where I'm now uh, to have collabs. But uh, every of my collab, I would say really every collab was successful and it was not based on the strong silhouette. You know, if I would have done an, back then an Air Max or if I would have done back then a Superstar or something like this, um, then it wouldn't be my success. It would be the success of the existing Uh, silhouette or the existing success of the silhouette. But I worked on, on silhouettes and with brands which were at this time when I worked with them were not popular. I worked with Saucony, I worked with New Balance, I worked with Essex, 
uh, Orbis Adidas even on silhouettes, which were not known or popular. And the only one which was popular was uh, the, the Ultra, Ultra Boost, where I wouldn't say it was uh, my success because it was a success of the silhouette. Uh, it was a great shoe. When I'd done it, uh, Ultra Boost was not popular, but um, back then um, Kanye West wore the Triple White and uh, before uh, even Ultra Boost were on sale on, on many stores, after he wore them, uh, the, the, the uh, sales skyrocketed, uh, thanks uh, to, to Kanye West. And uh, this was a big benefit for my shoe then too. But uh, all the other shoes which I did, I done pumps, I done, uh, uh, as I said, soccer knit shoes, uh, I done uh, um, Adidas uh, Rottlaver, Adidas Berlin, um, you know, so many different styles and Puma, and they were all successful. And I would say I'm part of the success and not uh, uh, it was uh, only the, the silhouette. How do you rate uh, the state of sneaker culture today? <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, many people know this Ben and Jerry ice cream eating thing. It was, uh, to be true, a statement. And uh, I just uh, put today a new statement online um, where I'm... Uh, fighting the bots. I, I invented a shoe which is uh, measuring your heartbeat and uh, connected to, to your uh, shoe and something like this. But you have to watch it. It's on Instagram now. And um, yeah, for me, it's uh, really sad because mostly um, the people are buying shoes um, to make an Insta pick. That's it. Or they buy it to, to resell the shoes. I'm missing, maybe I'm too. Um, sensitive on this but i'm missing the real um passion about uh, the products uh, nowadays the people are always buying hyped stuff you know back then it was really important for us to have something different it was more interesting to have a shoe which uh, nobody else has now that's what i'm more... doing you know yeah. I, i find silhouettes and shoes that are rare that you can't find anywhere else yeah and uh, i start giving you've seen probably also on my insta I start giving away my shoes because I feel like uh, I was also a little bit part of like, oh, uh, there's this fear of missing out, you know? Oh, yeah. I want this, I want yeah, that, yeah, I want totally. this too. This is still and it's kind too, of like, so. it's all of us because we love footwear. Yeah. And I feel like, do we truly love it because it's all over the internet and we have our friends talking about it? Or we truly love the design and the story? That's where yeah. I am at now and I want to I think this is really important. So it's uh, I know it's a public enemy thing, but but don't believe the hype. Uh, so it's uh, um, you know it's making no sense if everybody's wearing the same shoes. So it's uh, even if it's a limited or expensive uh, resale shoe or something like this. Hey, go buy what you like to buy and don't care about what other people are thinking of uh, what you you know. Otherwise, we wouldn't have new trends if everybody is wearing the same stuff. Um, This is stupid. You know, I would love to see if somebody's coming to me and wearing a, a pair which is uh, an inline shoe, which where I would say, you know, that for example, an Adidas Revelry, I like it. If somebody's buying an Adidas Revelry in black white, I would say this is much much cooler than uh, than the, the the hundreds of colorway of, of a Yeezy or something like this from Adi of by Nike. If you buy um, um, something, I don't know, an ACG, for example, and some, some of the ACG silhouettes, instead of uh, buying uh, one of the Jordan 1s yet uh, again. This makes more sense for me again. to see. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's funny, three or four years, nobody was wearing Dunks. And uh, 
Now, now the people are getting crazy for, for every SB dunk or something like this. And, um, you know, now everybody is an SB hat. This is stupid. Nobody was caring about SBs some years ago because I sold many of my SBs back then because uh, um, through gaining weight, my size of my shoes uh, uh, were too small because my feet uh, was yeah, getting wider. <laughs> and uh, and now if I look what I sold them and what they're going now because uh, Travis or, um, I don't know, Kylie Jenner is wearing SB dunks is uh, it's crazy. The people are paying stupid money for, for shoes which... Three years or four years ago, nobody was caring about because some influencers are wearing this stuff. If I look now on StockX, this uh, Marcia, this was 4,000 of 4K US dollars or something like this. Just imagine I would have known this before. I would have never worn this shoe uh, on a New Year's Eve, maybe, because I was afraid that it's getting dirty or burnt or something like this. And therefore, I think it's uh, really important that we don't think about what what the, the uh, imaginal how we call it imaginaire this uh, your imaginary yeah imaginary or hypothetical uh, value of a shoe is uh, you know I paid for for the Ben and Jerry's hundred euros it's worth hundred euros because somebody else is paying stupid money it's not my problem it's uh, his problem if he wants to pay thousand five hundred or two k let him pay but um, for my own shoes. I love to see that the guys are wearing them and not, uh, you know, um, some shoes, for example, some shoes in existence are changing the owner maybe 30 times to end maybe at somebody who's wearing them. And uh, maybe this guy is then a multimillionaire or something like this. But, uh, you know, guy A is buying a shoe for 100 uh, US dollars. Then he's reselling them for 200. The next guy is reselling them for 300, 400, and goes on. At the end, it's on StockX for 10K. I've been thinking about this a lot too, Matt. And I, I was thinking maybe like brands like Nike, Adidas, and Puma, they should be creating like a, a trusted a sneaker collector um, program where yeah. they give us trusted um, ID tags and yeah. they know that it's our size and we will wear yeah. it. And we get priority, you know, uh, I feel like it's very interesting how brands going to solve this because I feel like also real true sneaker collectors are kind of getting tired of this hype world, this resale yeah. world, and they're yeah. trying, they're slowly stopping to collecting shoes and they're slowly moving towards classic shoes, going back yeah. to seventies yeah. and eighties. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's losing its value. Totally. Of course, it's, uh, yeah, for, for some people it's uh, cool, um, you know, that they see, ah, the shoe is so much worse and look, he's wearing, I was last time I was on the street and wearing some, some expensive and the people were looking on my feet. It was funny. And uh, I told them, hey, they're real. It's not a fake. And uh, um, they were laughing because uh, then they told me, we know who you are. So uh, we, we trust you that they're real. But, uh, you know, my, my um, younger daughter, I got some Yeezys for her back then on the first series, the, the um, was a, a, the, the gray one, moon, moon, rock, moon. Yeah, I think so. And um, everybody on the street was a street was saying they're fake, and she was wearing the real deal. And uh, because people can't imagine that uh, somebody is wearing an expensive shoe, uh, but uh, um, crazy. Uh, this is uh, totally nonsense. I hope uh, that uh, people understand that uh, these are only shoes. 
yeah, of course, um, I even would call some of them art. You know, there, there are lots of projects where you say, wow, um, for example, the, the Daniel Asham uh, 4D shoe was great. The whole concept with the box and with the, you know, you rip off the box and everything. And um, there are so many amazing projects out there. But on the other side, there are shoes. That's it. Shoes. How does your personal collection look like? Uh, mostly or nearly all are worn. That's that's my collection. And I have uh, everything in it. So I have uh, cheap shoes or cheap uh, in resale. But uh, I have back then already always shoes uh, which were, uh, which not everybody understood. So for example, uh, the recently released uh, Ispa from, from Nike, this uh, uh, with the camel toe, which is uh, like like the Arift style. The warrior. Bouncy sole. Yeah, the warrior. Yeah. I think you have to love it or hate it. I love it. So I love it too. And uh, But this is something back then I'm I was a one. big fan. Perfect. <laughs> I was a big fan of the Air Woven. I was a big fan of uh, all the HTM stuff back then, the sock darts, uh, the, the sock mocks, and uh, the Presto Rome, even the Presto. But all before other people, the Arif, these were all silhouettes which I like, the superstar. When I was wearing superstars in school, everybody was laughing at me because they thought it's a bowling shoe back then. And two years or three years later, they started to wear all superstars on school, where I said to myself, look, this fucker uh, was laughing uh, about me, but now he's wearing this stuff, which uh, I was wearing three years ago. And um, I never followed any trends. So, um, you know, I'm not you go with your heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying what I like to buy. That's it. I'm wearing a black T-shirt. I'm wearing a blue denim. That's it. I'm not a fashion guy. I'm... I'm I'm just a sneaker guy. I love sneakers and that's it. What are other brands that you think are doing a good job out there? Footwear brands, you mean? Or yeah. I would, of course, mention your brand. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're it's an honor to hear that, you know. It's... Yeah, you, you're doing a great job, so um, you don't need to hide it. It's a great job you do and uh, you, you um, reached a, a really good... Um, point where you are visible outside of Turkey and this is uh, not so easy to so to, to everybody who's listening it it's not so easy to be accepted in, in Europe or on the world scene as a so I, I, I don't heard of many people from Turkey who, who are really uh, accepted or made it in the fashion industry so uh, congrats to you and your work so it's uh, uh, not given you, you work for it and thank uh, you it's man. a long story you're, you're always welcome uh, footwear brands I think uh, Lining is something which is pretty I interesting. See, I keep seeing popping, it's popping up more. They they done amazing stuff in in, in the, so what I see it I like it to be true. So um, especially from a brand which I guess not many people have on the radar. So uh, so Lining, if you yes, uh, Benjamin, what's your size? Uh, US ten and a half. Okay, so I'm a US nine nine and a half, uh, US nine and a <laughs> half, and US ten and a half. Lining, listen. <laughs> And We're what ready. do you think about hookah one one? Um, good brand too. So I, I, this is something which uh, happened back in uh, some years ago, or I would say ten years ago, where people were fed up of the big companies and started to look for for new uh, alternatives. And um, this would be something what I would uh, wear too. So it's uh, like you know, like you said, I would interesting would be on, for example, interesting would be hookah. Interesting would be Lining, you know, all the brands which are not overdone yet. 
I so, feel like there's um, a lot of new players coming in now. Totally, yeah. It's it's uh, uh, you know it's a uh, uh, peak times of sneaker business again. Um, we had back then uh, times in the 90s and 80s where um, even Coca-Cola done his own shoes. Even Apple had their own um, sneaker. Um, Pepsi had his own sneaker. Yeah, and so on. Um, you know, we had lots of brands back then. Kahu, LA Gear, uh, and uh, Brooks, and many, many more. So there are lots of brands. I think uh, if you guys are checking Instagram, you should check out Obscure Sneakers, um, which is pretty good to check out here. It's really good, good stuff to, to show the people what was on the sneaker market and what's going on. I think so many people, kids in Turkey um, and the German community as well, I think also they are curious about these subjects and I totally. feel like it's super important for them to hear. We talked about storytelling. We talked about yeah. how important it is for you that anything that you design has passion. Yeah. And this is really it, important. Yeah, yeah. My customers are my friends. I think such a beautiful thing to hear, to be yeah. honest. And thank you. I think especially now after what, what the world went through and is still going through, It's even more important to have people like you, Ignat, and I would love to thank you. Thank you. You're definitely you. an inspiration same, to a same. lot of people. Thank you for, for giving your, your time and your platform for, for my brand too. So it's, uh, I'm feeling honored. Thank you for yeah, coming, Thank you, Ignat. And uh, thank you, Sol DXP. So if you're ever in uh, uh, Dubai or planning to travel, then do it at the right timing. So mostly end of the year, right? Should be in December? December, or December yeah. And the best thing you can do, by the way, in December in Europe, it's pretty cold and uh, it's a beautiful weather in uh, Dubai. Then it's not too hot um, and uh, you see a lot of stuff. It's amazing. As I said, it's not, you know, I'm not getting paid from them. It was really where I said, wow, how professional setup it was. Uh, it was like, like, you know, Disney World for sneakers. But we it's do get a... uh, free kebabs, Ignat. You did okay. forget Okay, good about to that. know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Thank you for, for everything. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm now uh, getting listening to all your other podcast episodes. So it's uh, yeah, cool. Thank you. Thank you, Igmet. Thank you for listening to Homeroom with Benjamin Aydin and our guest today, Igmet Sugar. Be sure to tune in to an all new episode next week. For more on our series, go to soul.digital. You can also follow us on Instagram by going to at soldxp and at Benjamin Aydin. See you next time. You're listening to Soul Radio.